You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome in, Hokies fans, to this edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. A now-ranked Virginia Tech team gets set to face off with the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders on Saturday. 1-0 coming off a victory over the North Carolina Tar Heels last week. In this episode, episode 189, we're going to get you set for everything you need to know about Middle Tennessee and let you know how the Hokies can avoid a trap game stuck in between North Carolina and West Virginia. All of that and more coming up on episode 189. 189 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, which starts right now. We welcome you in, whether you're listening archived on Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, or if you're watching archived on YouTube, if you're watching live on YouTube, make sure you like, subscribe, and comment below, and also make sure to drop a question in the chat, as we'll have David Cunningham working on that, and we will get your questions into Will and Chris at the end of the show. The Tech Sideline Podcast, as always, is brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. You can help bring Olympic hopeful athletes to one of the fastest growing and best wrestling programs in the country. Make sure to go to southeastrtc.com to learn more and donate today. I'm Jake Lyman. I'm your host as always. Across the way, Will Stewart, our founder and general manager. To my left is the lead analyst and columnist, Chris Coleman. To my right in the fourth chair, uh, as we saw Nick Brown in back on Monday, is David Cunningham, our managing editor. And behind the scenes, once again, the best producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. We welcome you in as we record on Wednesday, September 8th, getting ready for Game 2 of Virginia Tech's 2021 season against Middle Tennessee on Saturday. Well, it's an exciting week, guys. Hokies just came off a big win over number 10 North Carolina. And guess what? Like we expected, they are ranked the 19th team in the country, according to the AP, and the 21st, according to the coaches poll. Do you think maybe a little overrated here, or do you think that's about right after that big win? We have one game of data to go on. Yeah. (laughs) If we learned anything, and I think... I think you can go back through time, and I don't think I really truly learned this till the last few years, is you think you le- always learn something in game one, but a lot of times it turns out you don't, yeah. right? We thought we learned that Virginia Tech was a really good football team when they smacked Florida State around in 2018. That's what we thought we learned after week <laughs> one. So it turns out Florida State was just horrible. And, and you know, there's examples of, uh, of, of it the other way, you know. When Virginia Tech started 0-2 and lost to Boston College in Cincinnati in 1995, we thought Virginia Tech was really bad. And the next thing you know, they're 10-2 and and went in the Sugar Bowl. So each, each, each week is its own separate battle. Each week is its own unique matchup. Um, I, th- I think there, we, we phrased it on, on Monday. You know, Carolina, in some ways, on paper, 
you know, at the end of the year, you might look back on and say that was Tech's toughest game or whatever. But if you actually look at personnel and matchups and things like that, it might not turn out to right. be the case. And in fact, it probably won't be. So each each week is kind of its own separate entity. Uh, I, I think I think Tech could be the 19th best team in the country, but I, and I think they'll look like they are in some weeks. At but times, it kind of depends yeah. on who they're who they're playing. Um, that's what you just got. I don't like rankings early in the season for that, <laughs> yeah. for that very reason. All I know for certain is that I'm looking at Heisman hype lists this week and Sam Howell is not on them. Yeah. You, can, and, you can't be, uh, he can't be. I think he's toast. Week, right. Yeah. yeah. It's no chance. Well, and after looking at the AP poll this week, four ACC teams are in there. The only one that has a win on the record <laughs> is Virginia tech. Yeah. Four so, ranked teams and, and three. All right. Of them all right one so game, so yeah. let's go through the other one of them is North Carolina who Virginia tech. Clemson yes. only slipped to about number six. Yeah. I, I think I think Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State will probably end up being the definite top ten, or excuse me, top three. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma didn't look great in their first game, so the thing is, like, if Clemson wins out, and their only losses by seven points to, to, to neutral site to, game. to, to a right. yeah right to a top three team, they'll, be they'll end up being the fourth team. It doesn't mean that Clemson's bad. I don't think their offense is, is anywhere near as good as it used to be. Uh, well, Georgia's offense didn't even need to take the field in that game, and they would have won. They scored wow. seven points on defense, and that was it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but another really exciting thing this week is that we have lit the shelves on the podcast yes. set, right? Great. So we still got some stuff to do. We still have to surround Chris with some sort of glow of light and, and make sure everybody make knows sure where to put their eyes. Know, feel feel that. That. <laughs> he, he should come in in a halo. <laughs> Can we test it out first? Like not go live and then take some pictures. Sure, and see sure if I Chris. Approve? Sure. I think we need lighting like all the way around, Chris. Just right. get the focal point right on our. Uh, our guy who gives all the good analysis during sure, the Sure, and every time he talks, we can have a chorus of angels humming <laughs> in the background. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the 2018 season. That's something I actually wrote down. After the Hokies beat Florida State back in 2018, they were ranked 12th in the country. Yeah. That was the same team that had to schedule Marshall at the end of the season just to keep the bowl streak going. Right, so, again, right. it's very tentative on where everybody is. But, again, Tech did look like a top 20 team in the country back on Friday night. So Yeah. Um, so interesting stat. I believe I saw on Twitter that Tech has been ranked every season under Justin Fuente. At some point during the season. At some, some point, point during yeah. the season. Last yeah. year, it was, the highest they reached was 19. Yep. So yeah. After the first two games, yeah. I think. So sitting right where Tech is right now. Yep. I was yep. going to say, I forgot last last year they were ranked. But, yeah, 2019 they were ranked at the end of the season. 2018 it was the beginning of the season. So. Yeah. Um, also, some big news over the week. Justin Fuente, as we were just mentioning, was named the Dodd Coach of the Week. Pretty impressive considering there were some big performances this week from maybe some under-the-radar coaches. I mean, you look at Tulane almost beating Oklahoma. Oh, um, what a story that is. That game was originally going to be in Tulane. In Tulane, yes. Yeah. And they came up a yard short of converting on fourth down with a chance to go win it. And they were down by a couple of touchdowns. They were. Right? And they had, they they had converted an onside late. kick. Right. Uh, also, Charlotte beating Duke could have seen, but there, there, a whole lot of nothing happened in that game until the final three minutes. Was it? Really? Yeah. Was it two, three touchdowns scored in the last two or three minutes of the yeah. game? Yeah, and it was like two in like the last like thirty seconds. Yes, it was just yeah. It's like one team was, would take the lead, and then an amazing play would happen, and the other team would take the lead. It was actually very entertaining. Yeah, we were in uh, we were in the post game you know press conference, and Aaron McFarling was sitting behind me, and we just kept looking at each other's phones and going oh my god this Whoa. game is close yeah. charlotte's gonna win 
Yes. Uh, so, again, a lot of options to choose from for that Dodd coach of the week, and Justin Fuente gets it for the performance against Yeah, I was, I was surprised when that email came in because, uh, you know, I'm on, the, I guess, the media list or whatever, and it came in. I thought, wow, look at that. So that's very cool. I, I think, uh, uh, you know, I don't know how they determine awards like that. And obviously I didn't get to see all those other games, but his game plan against UNC was really, really sound. Yeah. Um, from from just a pure coaching standpoint, just figuring out the best way for his team to be able to beat North Carolina, and I, I thought I thought even if something crazy had happened, it, it, and Tech had lost at the end of the game, it was still the it was still the right game plan going into it. Yeah. Another surprising award that came out: Chamari Connor was named ACC Defensive Back of the Week, <laughs> I believe. Will probably tweeted it was fifty six options for that award, and Chamari well, Connor got I, something like that. Yeah, they right. could I, I could name about. I could name three other, four other tech defensive backs who, who could have, you could have given that yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was interesting. So um, you, you would never know that I got 70 70 on my math SATs. <laughs> the very first tweet said 14 teams, four defensive backs per teams equals 48 players under consideration. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know where that came from. So somebody brought it up, and I corrected it to 56. So he gets it out of 56 players. And, and also, yeah. well, it's five defense. These days, it's five defensive backs. Well, I thought about saying something about nickels as well. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, I mean, Texas starts that's what five. Chimari def- is. Well, they start. Yeah. is a nickel. Yeah, he is a nickel. So there's your so, – so the, the so thought he, that like went he's, he's considered a cornerback on PFF. Like, they consider the, the – that's a – that's a different position these days. It's a slot corner. Yeah. So, so the thought that went through my mind was, uh, does the ACC consider Nichols linebackers, and would it be included under that award? But clearly not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I remember. It all depends on what the team lists him as. Like if Virginia Tech listed him as a linebacker, then right. yeah, then then he would have been like the the linebacker. Of the so league. not a lot of yeah. deep yeah. thinkers right. there. In not the a lot of deep <laughs> thinkers when, when it comes to that, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I think. Uh, he certainly had some flashy plays, like obviously the interception to ice the game, and yeah. he saved a touchdown yes. uh, on, on Josh Downs on that, o- that open field tackle. Uh, but, you know, you could have given it to uh, to any of Tech's three cornerbacks. You could have given it to Nasir Peoples, who <laughs> yeah. just quietly had like a really, really solid football In his first game. start. Right, right. right. Uh, but I, ju- I just think with the exception of probably the wall or interception, uh, maybe maybe the Armani Chapman big hit that, that Connor had the two two plays that everybody noticed. I bet it was close. In all seriousness, I'll bet that yeah. that was a difficult one to decide. Well, and when I was looking at these awards, I figured DB was going to go to Tech in some way. There were just so many performances there. Something had to go to Tech. something yeah. had to go to the Hokies there. I would have expected it to be Chapman. I mean, didn't it, I believe. Was it Chris who tweeted out that he leads the country in yards allowed when targeted because he actually <laughs> forced a loss? Because he's been targeted he minus four five. times, he, he got and t- there was one reception one for and minus went for five negative yards. Five. And he had a highlight play when somebody <laughs> actually caught a pass on him. Uh, he's a really good player. Uh, I thought he got a bad rap two years ago from from some people. Like He's remembered in 2019 as a guy – who gave up that pass down the sideline in the UVA game, right? The one that I don't even think was actually complete. Okay. Uh, it was really good coverage. It was just a perfect throw by a guy who never made good throws down the field like that. It was almost like 16 years worth of stuff. Just They, they were almost karma, destined to make that karma, throw. Karma, right? all that stuff. And I think he had a tough play in the Notre Dame game. But if you go back, if, if you look at his grades that year, it was like, 75 or something like that as a redshirt freshman he played really really well 
didn't play as well last year, but who did yeah. on defense? So I've always I've always been a uh, been a fan of Chapman. He, um, you know, I was I was actually wondering before. No, wait a minute, Connor or Chapman? Chapman. I okay. keep getting them mixed up. So, uh, <laughs> I, I I was actually wondering before the season if, if like I think he's a good enough tackler that could they move him to Rover if they if they weren't yeah. confident in Devin Hunter. And I think they could have if they really needed to, but now it doesn't appear they need to. I think Armani Chapman could have maybe been one of the silver linings of the whole COVID thing last year with if Caleb Farley doesn't opt out and Jermaine Waller is healthy the entire year, he probably doesn't get as many of those game reps last year. Maybe going through that adversity over the past couple of seasons has allowed him to step up into that third corner role this year. Yeah, you know, he's uh, he's gotten plenty of playing time over the last couple of years. You know, he got, got plenty down the stretch in 2019 when Farley was, was injured and missed the last two games of the season. But he was playing some even before that. You know, Farley missed the second half of the UNC game in 2019. And it was Chapman who came into the game. And I'm not going to say he went out there and dominated like Caleb Farley, but he played well. You know, Tech won that football game with him playing cornerback. So, uh, yeah, I, I just think he's a, he's a very good player. And, you know, they have decisions on who they who they want to start at cornerback, <laughs> yeah. I, I, which I think is great. You great. can you could you don't you don't start anybody just for the sake of starting them or seniority or anything like that. You literally tell those three guys. Whichever two of y'all has the best week of practice this yeah, week is going to start. We're going to start you. Right, right. And that's how you create that competition, and that's how you get – but that's how Alabama gets better because uh, they have competition at every <laughs> – uh, I mean, that, yeah. that's one of the reasons. Well, <laughs> but, you know, that they, they have no, such, that's, that's part of it. I mean, I mean, they have such great talent at every position that if you don't compete your tail off every day in practice, Nick Saban is just going to replace you with another top 100 player. Well, and when was the last time Virginia Tech had – three or maybe even fourth corner if you can't like Nadir Thompson can you know he's not as good as the other three but right. he can play when was the last time Virginia Tech had three or four cor- like they go three or four deep at cornerback like yeah, it's, it's... Yeah, and a lot of that is I think a product of the COVID year and like Dorian Strong he got to play, you got know, to a, play a, lot a lot last year as a yeah. freshman so yeah. yeah it all it all is coming to fruition and we saw our Armani Chapman show out especially Jermaine Waller I was going going through the, the stats when we were talking about how many guys could Virginia Tech defensive backs could be named defensive back of the week. Well, Connor led the Tech in tackles, and Chapman was second. And then you had Dorian Strong on there who had a really good game. You know, So there's like three or four or five different guys that you could include on there. You're right, David. And I don't mean this as a knock on, uh, oh, my gosh, Chapman and – Nadir? N- no. Strong? No. Waller? <laughs> no. Waller? <laughs> uh, Jamari Connor. Jamari Connor, yes. <laughs> Shamari Chapman. That's why I'm getting them mixed up. I don't mean this as uh, yeah. I don't mean this as uh, an insult to Shamari Connor, but I mean if I was going to give the award to a Tech defensive back this week, I think I would have personally picked Armani Chapman. Yeah, but you're splitting hairs, and that's a good problem to have. So you know, it just occurred to me while all this discussion was was going on that everybody talks about the coaching job that uh, Justin Hamilton did coordinating the defense. But how about the, the the relatively late decision in fall camp to move peoples? Mm-hmm. That that is Justin Hamilton's position. That's the position he coaches. He coaches right. the safety. He played it, and that and he made that decision, um, and that one paid off big time. They really, really wanted to give Devin Hunter a chance to yep. win that spot. And You're right. That was probably in their minds the, the whole right, time, right, and they just right. strung it out as long right, as they could. Right. And and the th- thing is, like the the rover or. We'll, we'll call it what they call it these days, boundary, boundary safety. safety. <laughs> uh, 
it's not some like I'm not saying it's not complicated and not difficult to play, but it's not. I don't think it's as complicated as whip. You're not on the wide side of the field. Uh, so I mean, I think I think you can. I think for the most part, you know, if you're good in coverage, it whip. You're going to be even better in coverage at Rover, in, in my opinion. Um, so I, I don't think it was a very difficult move. Otherwise, uh, I'm sure they would have made it earlier. Yeah. But that's his spot now is what it looks like. It would be hard to take him off the field after that. So this episode is called uh, Middle Tennessee Preview. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was about to get it into sure that. Is. So uh, 15 minutes in. Here we go, Middle Tennessee. I think the big story with this game is – Less about Middle Tennessee and more about the Hokies. You've got North Carolina last week, West Virginia, a trip to Morgantown coming up the week after. How worried should fans be about this possibly being a trap game? Uh, you know, when, when ODU upset Virginia Tech, ODU wasn't a good team, but they were a big team. And they did have a big running backs and big receivers and a physical offensive line. And a quarterback who played the game of his life. Right. Yes. Uh, now, and when Liberty beat Virginia Tech. I'm looking at mock drafts and I'm seeing Malik Willis's name in the first round and in some cases even the top ten as a quarterback. Uh, so you know what it wasn't. We have to give that some credit, right? Yes. First round quarterbacks can be hard to beat, um, even though Tech Tech just did it the other <laughs> night. But, um, but for Middle Tennessee State, I, I don't see any of that. I, I see. Up, up front on both sides of the ball, they're small and young. Um, 50% of their two deep on the defensive line are redshirt freshmen. And, yes, redshirt freshmen this year could actually be redshirt sophomores. But, you know, redshirt seniors this year are actually sixth-year seniors. So everybody gets an extra year like that. You're still talking about the pretty basic – just about the youngest players on, on the field. And, you know, so, they're – So we, we can drill – we'll drill down in a lot of detail later. But I just want to say that – making up the roster card this morning, there's not a single player on Middle Tennessee's defense who's over 6'2". Right. And, you know, they're starting defensive line, 6'2", 220, 6'2", 289, 6'1", 268, 6'2", 255. He's their big guy. Uh, but he's like their, their only end over 240 pounds, I think. Three of their four defensive tackles are below 275. Uh, and if you look on the offensive line, they start three three freshmen – uh, one of which is a true freshman right tackle who's six three two seventy five, who anywhere else would be redshirting as a center. Yeah, because yep. he's so small, but yep. he's got to start at right tackle for them. Yep. Uh, so like Bailey Hockman, who started for NC State against Virginia Tech last year, now is Middle Tennessee's starting quarterback. He went seven of sixteen with two interceptions in Lane Stadium last year. Had a really good first out first game for Middle Tennessee last week, and on the whole, had a decent year for 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 NC State last year. But he's turnover prone. He threw eleven picks last year, uh, and he's going to be playing behind a freshman laden offensive line, blocking a defensive front that had six sacks last week. Like there, there are no numbers. Uh, you know, Middle Tennessee only averaged two point six yards per carry against Monmouth. It was an FCS team. Uh, there's all the numbers. Nothing indicates to me that an upset is anywhere near being on the cards. Like it would take a horrible, horrible, horrible performance for Virginia. Like, like a performance like <laughs> no, I'm talking much worse than like the Liberty last year. Yeah. I mean, you know, Liberty last year, Tech 
you know, they at least scored 35 points and they didn't have James Mitchell or Khalil Herbert, right? Yeah. And they were going against a first round pick and they didn't have their defensive scheme installed. Yeah. So this is a lot different this year. It's not a first round pick. Everybody's healthy. Their defense is installed. So none of us are going to pick Middle Tennessee to win. No, no. no. There, there's your there's your look ahead. It, it, it just feels – I've been just scrolling through Twitter and everything and seeing the Virginia Tech fan base. It feels like everybody has PTSD from the times where Virginia <laughs> Tech has lost these types yeah. of games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no doubt. And, and the, the you know, when you think about it, you know, you guys – we all mentioned it in our previews, I think, a little bit. You know, the past couple of years – Tech's played those smaller teams really, really close, even when they weren't losing to a Liberty or an Old Dominion. Playing like Rhode Island, playing Furman, playing right. Rhode Island, right. very, very, very close. You know, I, I, the 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 Furman game was was twenty four seventeen. They I were believe. up. Furman was up. I want to say fourteen ten at halftime. Yeah, it just. Yeah. I, I don't. And even the Rhode Island game was. It, it was it, like thirty one seventeen. That that was the Rhode Island game, if you recall, was. After the Miami game yeah. and before the UNC game, yes, yeah. So it's similar from that stand. Middle Tennessee similar from stand, that standpoint as far as it falling between two big emotional games against big rivals. Yeah. Um. So I'm not I'm not saying that Tech is going that this is going to be a cakewalk all the way through, or that Tech is going to look like a really 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 no, but I do football th- team. I, but I just, I don't. It would be just it would be difficult for me to see Middle Tennessee State able. To, I called them Middle Tennessee State. I shouldn't. We were that. talking about they're now Middle Tennessee. Tennessee they're just Middle Middle Tennessee. Yeah, now. yeah. Um, but yeah. I just—it's very difficult to see Middle Tennessee putting a performance together that, that, that's good enough. Well, looking at Middle Tennessee State, just in their program's history, it feels like if this game was five years ago, maybe you're mm-hmm. a little bit more worried. This was a pretty consistently making bowls, contending in Conference USA, stuff like that, but not as but, much in the last couple of years. Yeah, their record's been down the last couple of years. I don't know how much you can judge. 2020 for anybody yes. uh we know virginia tech situation there everybody has different situations uh they're they've been a well-coached team for a long time now stock still is their head coach um it, it, but yeah with with so many freshmen in the two deep and so many like smaller players forced into the starting lineup it does seem like that uh they're maybe not quite they don't quite have the ability uh, that they used to. Yeah, when, when I look at them, um, you know, I don't follow them. I'm not a fan of theirs. But if I was a fan of theirs, I'd be like, huh, we've been a less than 500 ball club and we're really young this year. It just seems like things are trending in the wrong direction. Yeah, you know, their their size, I mean, especially on on the lines and even wide receiver. I mean, they start a wide receiver who's 150 pounds, yeah. 5'7", 150 pounds. Like, this is a team – where if you looked at an FCS depth chart too deep, you might actually just based on sizes of players, you might mistake this for for an FCS team. Now they're yeah. better than that because they, they smashed Monmouth last week, and Monmouth has been in the playoffs the last three of the last four years in FCS. Mm-hmm. But this is just not. I mean, if Tech shows up and just hits them, I mean Tech should be bigger and stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, looking at their offense, you mentioned the offensive line, and I want to take a look at their two tackles. The left tackle, 290 redshirt freshman. Right tackle stands at 6'3", 275, true freshman. Mm-hmm. One of those guys is going to be dealing with Amari Barno for the entire game, you would assume. <laughs> yeah. So do you think last week Barno kind of was 
pushing back towards the linebackers, kind of being a spy, do you mm-hmm. think they kind of just tell him to pin his ears back and go? I, I would expect a more vanilla defensive scheme from Tech this week, uh, certainly. You know, in, in third and longs, you could see them continue to go with that special package where a, a third cornerback comes in and Holyfield comes out with Waller going down to the to nickel spot. You, you could – that could be a thing for the whole season. We'll see. Uh, as far as where Barno lines up, I think that's reserved for, you know, depending on who they play. Maybe you break it out for Kenny Pickett later in the season. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think you break it out for, for Middle Tennessee. I, I think you put Barno up against one of those freshman tackles the whole time and have him pin his ears back. And I, I think Middle Tennessee will tr- – if I, if I were Middle Tennessee, the whole game plan should be revol- revolved around – getting the ball out as quickly as possible. So I wouldn't I wouldn't expect a lot of like deep drops from Bailey Hockman because I don't know if, if they're gonna be able to protect him long enough. They've got a very young, small offensive line. So like you said, this is a team that got six sacks against North Carolina last last week. So Hokies will hopefully be looking to push the the question a little bit and try and get after Bailey Hockman. You mentioned Hockman played against the Hokies last year in that season opener against NC State and struggled. But he's played in Lane Stadium before. Again, not as many fans, obviously. Yeah. But do you think that may be an advantage for Bailey Hockman having seen this defense before? Or do you think the other way around, Justin Hamilton has seen Bailey Hockman? Yeah, he kind of saw this defense. I mean, he saw a defense that was just kind of thrown out there with no <laughs> spring. And it's amazing Tech played as well as they did. And, and honestly, one of the reasons they won that game is because NC State didn't know what to expect because there was absolutely no information on – what Virginia Tech was was going to do defensively, yeah. uh, you know, he he had three really good running backs to hand the ball off to at NC State, and he doesn't have that at, at no. Middle Tennessee. Uh, he doesn't have the offensive line that he had at, at NC State. So, I I don't think it's an advantage or a disadvantage to to either team. I just hope we're not underselling him. You know, if, yes. if if you look at at Middle Tennessee's roster. Maybe he's the one guy who could make a difference. He's a former ACC starting quarterback. So, yeah, you know, as, as Chris will get into um, in their running attack, you talk about running by committee. Well, they didn't give more than five carries to anybody. And they, five different running backs carried the football. Yeah, their starting running back is the former number one running back in the state of Florida who signed with Florida State out of high school. He's a redshirt senior who has rushed for 262 career yards. So, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's so for those star-ranking enthusiasts – <laughs> Here's another one that maybe doesn't quite live up to the hype, but uh, but you look, you just look up and down your roster and you're like who who for them? Chris talked about you know when Tech lost to ODU in 2018, you know ODU wound up going four and eight for anybody who doesn't remember. They weren't a good football team. No. They were great that day and didn't two of those wide a couple receivers of those wide receivers tra- maybe Travis one Fulgham's of the on the Eagles now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know I, I don't see that. that ODU kind of thing was actually good where Tech wasn't good. Yes, so it was a bad matchup. Right. But anyway, back to the point. Hockman's probably the one guy that could make a difference for them in this game so yeah. far. From what I, I, I would say, yeah, I mean, he played a good game last week. Seventeen of twenty-two, two hundred fifteen yards, three touchdowns. Uh, obviously, again, Monmouth, Monmouth. FCS mm-hmm. program. Um, you know, he had a good completion percentage last year for NC State, even though he didn't show it the the first game against Virginia Tech. But his touchdown to interception ratio thirteen to eleven. And that's with good players around him. Yeah. You know, so I just – it's hard for me to see him excelling with these 
guys around him. I don't think he, like he lacks talent or anything nah. like that. So wait a minute. So help me out here. They had Devin Leary last year mm-hmm. and Hockman. Which one started against Tech? Hockman. Hockman. Hockman okay. started. But, they, but Leary but came in and went twelve of sixteen. Yeah. Right. Hockman. And was, then they started Leary for a while, but he got hurt. Right. And then something like that. I want to say Hockman started eight games last year. Okay. I believe that's what Justin Fuente said on Monday. But I think they had settled on Leary as their starter. Yes. And that's that's what I that's what I was forgetting and trying to piece together. How did he wind up with thirteen touchdowns, eleven interceptions? Because I yes, I tuned out after. <laughs> matter of fact, the whole NC State thing, Tech beat the pants off of him in the first game, and I quit paying attention to him. They went yes. eight, and they then went later, eight, later on, it's like eight and three, eight and three. Yes. And they ended the season with, with a tough quarterback situation. Guys yeah. getting hurt and going yeah. in and out. Yeah, Dave Dorn probably. I don't want to say he saved his job last year, but he certainly helped himself. Oh yeah, yeah. So last so last year, Tech when Tech played NC State, Hockman played about three and a half. Like he played, he played about two and a half quarters. Got pulled like halfway through the third quarter, and at that point, I don't know if you guys remember the halftime score of of the. Tech NC State game last year. Um, Tech scored seventeen in the first quarter and fourteen in the second quarter. Oh yeah, and, it was. and so it was it was kind of over by halftime. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but last year to look, I, I was just looking at this. The the pressure Tech got last year, uh, seven tackles for loss, six sacks against NC State last year. Justice yeah. Reed had two sacks on the first drive. Yeah. In that game. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So these are these are the players that had. Uh, a sack last season against NC State. Deshaun Crawford, Eli Adams, uh, Mario Kendricks, Zion DeBose, Justice Reed, Rayshard Ashby, and Dax Hollyfield. Wow. So there's a what, lot of two guys there. on the yeah. team st- still? Yes. Yeah, Kendricks and Dax. Yeah. yeah. And Eli Adams. Yeah, and Adams. That's true. That's true, yeah. Well, talking about Hawkman, he wasn't the only quarterback who played for Middle Tennessee State last week. And <laughs> I was reading through Chris's preview, which is now up on TechSideline.com. They played just shy of 40 offensive players against Monmouth. Yeah, uh, including three quarterbacks, like 12 wide receivers, <laughs> maybe like 13 offensive linemen. I thought five running backs was a lot, but it's nothing compared to those other <laughs> the rest of the team. Uh, three H-backs. Now, some of that is due to... You know, they were up by 35 points. Let's put in a few backups late in the fourth quarter. Uh, some of it could be that maybe they do believe in rotation, or some of it could be maybe they are maybe they have so many young players that the coaching staff, they just don't know exactly what they have right now. So they wanted to test a lot of people out in a game situation. I wouldn't expect them to play 38 guys this week at Virginia Tech, but I, no. I certainly could be wrong. Well, it might, you know, if things go well, it'll be a blowout in the other direction. So right. maybe. Right, maybe. Well, and you mentioned they averaged just 2.6 yards per carry against Monmouth. That was kind of where UNC got the Hokies was with the run game, yeah. outside run. And so maybe Tech doesn't have to worry about that as much. Not a lot of talent with the backfield and the smaller offensive line. You know, it's, it's interesting. If you look at their two leading rushers, uh, they averaged 5.4 and 8.3 yards per carry last week. And that's kind of seemed like their running game last week. They either got really good gains or they got stopped in the backfield. They had something like... 120 or 130 yards gained, but they lost like 50 or 60 yards in the running game. And and that only includes two sacks. So a lot of those were traditional running plays. So there was a lot of chunk plays both ways, big losses and and some decent gains. A chunk backwards play. (laughs) Yeah, a chunk backwards play. That's what you want defensively. Um, So, you know, I I don't know really – it's hard to know what to expect. Like – I don't think they can run the ball, but I think they would be wise to come in and try to do it and shorten the game and 
and with a quick passing game because I don't know that they'll be able to protect Hockman. But you know, I just, if you just look at the matchups itself, and assuming Virginia Tech approaches this game with just a, a decent amount of emotion and, and intensity, then I, I just the matchups just don't look good for Middle Tennessee. Well, defensively last week, it seemed like it was almost a perfect game. And we mentioned it back on Monday outside of that tunnel screen. Seemed like Tech didn't have many flaws. What are you looking for defensively from Justin Hamilton's group to do against Middle Tennessee State? Um, Chris mentioned probably more play more straight up. Mm-hmm. Um, see if Middle Tennessee tries to run up the middle more than, than UNC did. See how that goes. Um, I don't know. Other than that, just more of same, I guess. I wonder if – I don't think that Justin Hamilton experimented much with blitzing. Didn't Didn't try anything – exotic at all and i don't know that he wants to in this game either unless he wants to work on it well you know it's it's always that you're trying to always balance what do you want to show on film and what do you versus not want what do you want to work on so, and what you want yeah. to work on and some sometimes you do want to show some things on film and then come out with something a little bit different yeah like week, we'll, we'll do this against middle tennessee <laughs> and you're gonna think we're gonna do it against you but we're not right well, especially with West Virginia next week and then a month right. from tomorrow you play Notre Dame. So yeah. some of those maybe strategy things, maybe put some things on tape that you want them to see, keep some things uh, off tape before some of those you, bigger games. You throw the book at Carolina and, and West Virginia and Notre Dame, but but you don't do that against Middle Tennessee unless you have to. It, well, it's so funny. We sit here and we have these discussions as outside observers <laughs> and fans. And then I wonder if coaches just listen and go, are you crazy? i got to go win the football game. I'm not doing any cute stuff like that. I'm going out there to win. I'm, yes, I'm going to open things up and win the football game. Because they don't, you know, you know, you know, everybody on tech staff has probably has a lot of uh, respect for Stockstill. He's been there well, all the uh, time. They coached, they've coached against each other. Conference yeah. USA, you, you know. know yeah, so, he's, a, he's a good coach. Yeah, co- coaches try not to take things lightly and try not to play the same games that, that fans and outside observers play. Well, something we want to talk about is whether the offense is going to open things up this week after kind of playing more conservative against North Carolina. We're going to get into that in a little bit. We're also going to talk about some young players that you guys might want to see if the Hokies can extend this lead later on in that game. We're going to take a break here and come back with all of that here on episode 189 of the Tech Sideline podcast brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. We'll be right back. We welcome you back on episode 189 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. We've got the whole crew on set today. Jake Lyman, your host, Will Stewart across the way. Chris Coleman to my left and to my right, not pictured on the screen if you were watching on YouTube, is David Cunningham in our fourth chair. We welcome you in if you are watching live on YouTube. Continue to drop questions in the chat below, and we will get to those at the end of the podcast. We've already gone through kind of the Virginia Tech defense versus Middle Tennessee's offense. For Saturday's game, the Hokies trying to get to 2-0 after the upset win over North Carolina. Now I want to talk about the Hokies' offense. It was a conservative game plan, only scored 17 points. Could have been more, obviously, but do you think Brad Cornelson and Justin Fuente are going to try and open it up, maybe try and take a couple more shots downfield? Not 
play the ball control game as much, maybe. Yeah. Oh, I definitely think the, don't think there will be a ball control field right. to this game. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not, I'm not I, sure that I would call the offensive game plan against North Carolina conservative. It was ball control, and I no. think people do equate ball control with conservative. Yeah. Not necessarily. They, they, slower they, tempo. They, right, right. Yeah, I don't think it'll be a slow tempo. Um, you know, Tech did go for the throat, obviously, after they got that turnover. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I would expect just a normal pace from the offense this week. I would expect things. I'm not going to say it's going to be generic or vanilla or anything like that. I think it'll just be a recognizable offense as far as the types of plays they run and things like that. You know, how wide open it is or anything, I don't know. I mean, Carolina's offense was pretty dang wide open the other <laughs> night, and they didn't do much with it, did they? Yeah, uh, so I'm I'm more curious to see – not necessarily like what types of plays they run or how wide open they are or everything like that. I'm more curious to see, you know, can the wide receivers get separation this week because they struggled with that last week. There, uh, there was no down-the-middle passing, deep passing game, right? They, well, they tried. And I made this mistake on the podcast on Tuesday. This, and Fuente, he didn't correct me, but he, uh, he talked about this play and showed me that I was incorrect on Tech Talk Live on Monday mm-hmm. night. It was the interception that Burmeister threw. And I was begging for the wheel route, and there was a real wheel route employed on that play, and that's where Burmeister threw. But his first read was Trey Turner on the post, which makes a lot more sense. If you're rolling to your right rather than throwing all the way back on the wheel route, that post is running in the same direction you're running, but the wheel route draws the safety down on one side, and if you roll out, it draws the other safety down on your side, and maybe you get clean space yeah. out over the middle on the post. And that's what Tech was going for. Uh, the problem is Trey Turner just got smashed at the line of scrimmage and couldn't get off the line, okay. which which is what Fuente warned about going into this game. He said their defensive backs will take your head off at the line of scrimmage. And, and I actually saw that live. Like, I saw that guy – basically take Turner's head off at the line of scrimmage. I haven't gone back to look at the replay to see if it was like illegal hands to the face or anything like that. Uh, But if he didn't get him in the face, he did it right at the line of scrimmage. So I think it was a perfectly legal play. He was just more physical than Turner. But that was a play that I thought was drawn up really well. Uh, And if Turner had gotten a clean release, could have gone for a huge play. I thought it was a great call in that situation. But... Anyway, I wanted to clear that up. Okay. I believe the word Justin Fuente said was he flat out got tackled on that play. Is that Trey Turner just – he wasn't there for the post, which is where they were trying to go, but still going for that shot to try and end the game. Uh, looking at Middle Tennessee, when I read through your preview, the word that kept coming up is undersized, and that's yeah. the same on the defensive line and the linebackers. This feels like it could be one of those games from last year where the Hokies just say, we're going to run until you can stop us and maybe go 250, 300 like they did early in the season last year. Yeah, so <clears throat> that that's a good point. And undersized doesn't always mean bad. You know? No, and we it, should know that as Tech fans through the years. Well, <laughs> to, me, to me, the classic example, yes, and yes, I've been around Tech football for a while, but one of the classic examples was the 95 Navy game where Virginia Tech was a big, powerful Offense, offensive line, and Navy just gave them fits. And, of course, that was what Virginia Tech did to other people. And it was like 7 nothing late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, right? it, it, yeah, it was. That game wound up being very close, um, even though you would have thought going in that Navy was seriously outmatched. So, you know, we'll see how it unfolds. But to me, uh, so you're talking about running the football. Um, we talked about pace. Tech only ran something like 63 
offensive plays against North Carolina. Um, if I was the coaching staff, I would go into this with more tempo, um, with an eye towards getting 70, 75, 80 plays in, see how the game goes. If you get a decent lead, that allows you to get more guys in, point. you know, so and, and try different guys out. Um, and maybe this is a game where your team needs a mental charge because it is natural to have an emotional letdown. I mean, it's tough to recharge the emotional tank for anybody. Like, I'm not as fired up right now as I was this time last week, right? At least not about the upcoming <laughs> no, game. Man. Right, right. So maybe by running – Maybe by going a little bit up-tempo, up you, you give them that charge because they feel like – because if you didn't go up-tempo, te, up just normal pace, that they just approach it with So So when, when Tech was at their peak, this, this stuff kind of used to take care of itself. Like D'Angelo Hall would return a punt for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And and the, the floodgates would open that mm-hmm. kind of thing, so so maybe get it get it take a shot downfield or something like that. Get aggressive early in the offense. Try to make something happen and try to get your team into it. If you go out there and you go three and out and punt and you know it just stays kind of sleepy. You know, hopefully that won't happen. That's what, uh, actually that, that's what happened in you know the past few games, like right. the past couple times against Furman in Rhode Island. Is Tech didn't get out to a hot I start know, and I know, let right. them hang around. Right, and uh, to be fair, Tech didn't have a strong close in either one of those oh, yeah. games either. They're just bad for four quarters. Yeah, um, yeah I actually I actually hope uh, Middle Tennessee gets the ball first. <laughs> I just I just struggle to see how they're going to move the football against against Virginia Tech. Okay. And, and I think if they get the ball first, Tech will have good field position and 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 then it's on. Yeah, just 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 get off to a good start and have it snowball because you guys are correct. We've talked about games you know the the Rhode Island game thirty one seventeen Furman twenty four seventeen or 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 what twenty four seven or whatever. Yeah. You know uh, a point that I that I made probably too much of in our, in our preview was one of the ways that good teams get better is when they've got an opponent that appears to be overmatched. They they get on them early and they rotate guys in and, and you get a lot of guys in. It keeps your starters less at risk. You get game actual game film for your young guys it keeps them engaged it's just the it's just a snowball effect for the program as a yep. whole over time so you know we're going to take a youtube chat question later about you know if they don't win by a bunch does this worry about the rest of the, se- the season i don't know that it worries me per se it it, it disappoints me because right. it's a missed opportunity it would be a missed opportunity exactly right i thought it was interesting that justin fuente said the other night on tech talk live that you know, UNC won the toss and deferred, so Tech got the ball first anyway. But he said on Tech Talk Live that if Tech had won the toss, they would have elected to receive. Oh, they wanted yeah. the ball first. They wanted to get off to a good start, yep. you know, like you said last week. Right. They wanted to set the tone in that game. Well, they had a great opening drive yep. plan, and, and they knew it, and it worked. Yep. Yeah. Well, and that was David Cunningham's key to the game last week was to start fast. I think that could be the same this week is just try and get out in front and don't let Middle Tennessee hang around. I think offensively, a group that I'm interested to see this week is the wide receivers. They didn't have a lot of success against a really good secondary for North Carolina. Now facing Middle Tennessee, maybe one of the strengths of their team is that secondary, but this still feels like a game where the wide receivers should start to get more separation and make some plays downfield. I would agree with that. Uh, Middle Tennessee State, Middle Tennessee's, (laughs) they were always Middle Tennessee State. Mm -hmm. And uh, Anyway. Uh, their safeties are really experienced. Yeah. One of one of the probably maybe the most experienced duos in the country. Like one of their safeties, uh, Blankenship. Yeah, Blankenship is 
He's in his fifth year as a starter now, so he's taking advantage of that extra year. So he's going to be one of those rare five-year starters in the NCAA. Um, so they're very experienced back there. They're less experienced at cornerback than they are at wide receiver. But I, I do think their secondary will prove to probably be the strength of their team. But it's not as good as, as Carolina's no. secondary. Tech will have – it'll be easier for Tech's receivers to release off the line of scrimmage. Um Last week we saw Jaden Payute get six snaps, Dwayne Lofton get one snap, and those are the only backup receivers that played okay. at all. I wondered about that. Yep. Yeah. And we're and, going. And you, and you know, Payutes were on offense. We're not seeing special team snaps. Yes, there. that's yeah. correct. Yeah. Um, so we're going to see more from them this week. We'll see Jalen Jones in his first college action. Tech is sometimes hesitant to throw a true freshman into the first big game of his yeah. career. You know, if it's a big game, like, you know, Dax Holyfield played a ton for Tech in 2018 and started a lot of games, but he only played three snaps the opener against Florida State, and those were the three at the end of the game when it was already decided. Yeah. So they didn't start working him until the next week against William and & Mary. And so I, I think you'll see some more of these young guys, particularly the young receivers, start to get worked in a little more this coming week. Right. I think looking at the more experienced group, too, Tavion Robinson only had one catch last week. Didn't really get a ton of opportunities in the punt return game as well. Do you think this is a game where maybe he needs to show that he can show out against a team like this? Yeah. Uh, you know, they all should have opportunities. Uh, Trey Turner was the best last week against Carolina, but even Trey's performance was not great. Uh, and it's what worried me at the beginning is that they just they weren't going to be able to get separation, break that press coverage at the line and things like that. Um, so that's worrisome. Caleb Smith was awesome in blocking, by he the was. way. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But the, the good news is, like, Carolina might be – their corners might be the most physical group of corners that Tech faces this year. So Tech's most significant challenge might be behind them at this point yes. from, from as far as a passing game standpoint goes. But uh, – I'm not going to say it's all downhill from there because, you know, Miami's always got athletes and Pitt generally has a quality defense. And Notre Dame uh, didn't play so hot against Florida State the other night, but, you, you know, they're, they're still talented players on, on that roster. But I, I do think that was a challenge the other night that, that Tech's receivers probably won't see as much of this year. Now, other teams could see that on film and, you know, elect to try some of the same stuff, but do you have the personnel to pull it off? That's, that's But don't you think also at this point that Trey Turner is what he is yes. and, and Tavion yes. Robinson is what he is? Uh, and, yeah, yeah, probably. Um, yeah, certainly Trey is. So try the younger guys. Uh, you, you bring up Caleb Smith's blocking. Um, he and uh, Jaden Payard are listed at the same position, right? They're both. I mean uh, – no, I don't know if they no, exactly no, play the same wide receiver. Well, position. actually, They're yeah, both outside Smith uh, Payud is Smith's backup. On yeah, depth, yeah. So, I believe. Uh, I, I wonder. You know, the coaches see him in practice, and I wonder how good of a blocker Payud is, and I wonder if that might affect his playing time as the season goes on. So these are things that I, you're asking about Robinson and Turner. I'm actually not really thinking about that. Okay. Yeah. You know, that, can, that, can, can we see some other guys, some younger guys, and? and get some film on them and see how they do. And that's a good point. You know, if Tech wants to shorten games and play with a lead and run the football and things like that, then, yeah, I mean, everybody wants flashy catches and, and big plays and things like that. But it's important that your wide receivers be able to block. So when Caleb Smith goes, I mean, he, he blocked a UNC receiver in into the Tech bench, <laughs> yeah. basically on that Tavion Robinson jet sweep. 
Yeah, I know uh, the one you're talking about. I yeah, remember that. Yeah, so I think his run blocking grade was close to a 90. Yeah. It, it was the best that, one by far. Yeah, yeah. I, that, that was one of the first things I noticed when I looked at PFF yeah. is just Caleb Smith's run blocking grade was through the roof. I mean, and I think I, I, I couldn't remember. It was one of the running backs. It was Blackshear Holston that was that had the second best running grade. Right. So, yeah, like, right. so it just goes to show, like, how much Tech values run blocking. Right. Uh, those skill positions. So – He's a tough guy to take off the field from that standpoint. Now, maybe if Tech is in a situation where they're behind and they have to throw it 30 or five, 35 or 40 times in a game, we don't want that to happen. But if they do fall into that situation at some mm-hmm. point, then then maybe the rotation reverses itself, and maybe it's Payute who's the guy on the field all the time. Yeah. Well, and that's why you can't just scout box scores and say Caleb Smith didn't have a catch on Friday <laughs> right. night, but if you yeah. watch the film, he had a big impact on the game. He sure did. So let's talk about running backs. You got running backs coming up next? Or are we going to talk about running backs? Let's talk about running backs. All right. All right. So you expect you're going to see the guys at the top. Holston, Holston and Blackshear. They're going to get a lot. Keyshawn King didn't have a great game on Friday. He had the fumble, but you expect he'll get a little bit of run on Saturday. But also could see some younger guys. I feel like this may be a game where you see a lot of different guys churning through that backfield. I want to see some Marco Lee. Um it's a full room. I can't. All the names are not coming to mind. You know. Um, so to in in case people miss the quotes, uh, Fuente very much had uh, King's back in yeah. his in his press conference and and maybe on Tech Talk Live, which I, I didn't have a chance to get around to reading the notes. But I, I wouldn't pay attention to what Justin Fuente says. I'd pay attention to what he does. Um, is he going to continue to play King and give him carries? Because even though. Fuente said the right things. I don't think King carried the ball again no, after didn't. that fumble. I don't believe he did. Right. They had him back there for kickoff returns, but he didn't get right. a chance to have one of those. Yeah, yeah. he um, didn't touch the ball in the backfield. So that's something to watch. Or do they just go Holston, Blackshear, and then jump right into Marco Lee and whoever's in that Taj Gary. Taj Gary, guys like that. Yeah. Well, that kind of leads me into where I wanted to go at the end of the offense. And this doesn't have to be an offensive player, but who is – one, maybe two guys that if the Hokies do pull away by 30 in the third or early fourth quarter, who are some guys you're excited to see get some actual live game reps? Uh, Jalen Jones. You know, the young wide receivers we mentioned, of yeah. course. Uh, I think Will Panay at defensive end. Yeah, the defensive end. Cole Nelson at yeah. defensive end. Uh, you know, Jaden Keller potentially at a linebacker spot if they wanted to get him reps. Uh Dean Ferguson is a guy who I think has a chance to be a good player, and he he is Dax's backup at the Mike spot, and he should get an opportunity in the in this game. So, those those are some guys I'm keeping an eye on. You know, Fuente was very complimentary of Malachi Thomas before the season, uh, and he hasn't been very complimentary of many of his young running backs in the past. So, uh, you know, we talk about Marco Lee and and things and guys Todd Gary and guys yeah. like that, but. Like Marco Lee is a fourth-year college player, and and Todd Gary is uh, a third-year college player, and you know I think if those, if those guys were going to beat out Jalen Holston, they would have done it by now. So I'm not as interested in seeing what they have as I would be it's a, solid a guy like Malachi Thomas, who's a true freshman, who you know you could potentially play and still redshirt. I would very yes. much like to see him redshirt, of course, but uh, you know, if you could play <laughs> there him it in is. a... In a <laughs> yep, there it is. It's lighting up. <laughs> we need to uh, set up a button on the live stream that Malcolm presses in. The lights go red yeah. when he says the word redshirt. Uh, yeah. yeah so, we, we actually got a question about um, 
about what what young guys from what, what young guys are you interested in seeing besides a guy like uh, 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 Cha, what am I saying Malachi Thomas and uh, or Ma- Malachi Thomas and uh, Jaden Keller? What other young guys? Uh, you know who I want to see that we haven't mentioned because I want Tech fans to see him in a football uniform is uh, Kelly Lawson. Yeah, yes, <laughs> that's a good point. And do do yeah. we know if it's it's K E L I? Is it Keli or Kelly or do we know? I don't think we're. I, I think not, Kelly. Uh, I've, I would assume Kelly, but I don't know. I'm gonna call him Kelly till I uh, check till the pronunciation. Says you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, um, um, you got to see that guy. That guy's legs are a mile long, right. man. I just, you know, Bill, Bill Cosby used to make the joke about uh, when you'd get in the huddle as kids and you were playing football. There's always the fat kid. You go long. Well, Kelly Lawson's not fat, but I want I want them to just look at him and say, "You go long, <laughs> six uh, six four, and his legs are five feet." Six of that. four, no way. Yeah, there, well, there was no, no that's way. What, that's what the roster yeah, says. Uh, his legs are six four by themselves. Yes. Uh, now you have to be careful when you get into this stuff, and, and this goes back to the whole player development thing. Uh, and I made this point with Beatles last year. Last year was a special case scenario because of COVID and emergency situations and things like that, but. If you're redshirting a player, that means he should be have a heavy, heavy weightlifting session on Fridays. Now, football players don't lift as much during the season because they have to be ready for the game. You know, you can't go out there and lift heavy on like Thursday or Friday and then your muscles are sure tired and recovering on Saturday, right? So uh, guys that are redshirting, they don't have to go through the walkthrough on Friday because they're not playing in the game. It's just a walkthrough. That's when they get their heavy lifting in. It's supposed to be the day before the game. But if they play in the game, then you can't lift them heavy, right? And to me, guys like Lawson, guys like Thomas, as much as I'd like to see them play, they need as many of those big squat Fridays as they can get so they can take full advantage of their redshirt year. It does no good to redshirt somebody if you just stand him on the sideline every game just so he can get a few nice pictures of himself taken and – in his uniform, yeah. um, like he need, it needs to be a real red shirt where every Friday is a full weight room session, and that, that then he's more prepared as a red shirt freshman the next year. So, so Chris and I both go to Anytime Fitness in Blacksburg, and our personal trainer for both of us is Mitch Ludwig. He used to punt for Tech, and yes, there are days where it's difficult for me to walk because it's been a leg day the day before. So. So we talk about how long Kelly Lawson's legs are, but what if he wakes up on a Saturday and he's had a, he's had a heavy leg day on Friday, right? And he's yeah. he's feeling the pain, right? You, know? you can I mean, you don't. If you're going to play, they need to be at 100 percent peak condition, and that's not the case if if they did Big Squat Friday yeah. with Ben Hilger the day before. <laughs> so you got to be careful. Like I would very much like to see Malachi Thomas late in the game get a couple of carries, but I think it's more important for him to fu- for his future to redshirt and make sure he gets in the weight room as much as possible while he's redshirting. And, and we talked about those, those defensive ends, uh, um, Panay and, and Carroll right. and right. Nelson. And, uh, those guys are a little more physically ready. Uh, yeah. But, but even when, when we got to attend those two practices, there, there is a difference. There is a difference. Their size is good, right. but, but just the, the sheer size of the muscles and, and the cutness yeah, yeah. and stuff like um, that. Now the, the main guy, like I'll be disappointed if we see Matthias Carroll. Because he's one of those that needs as much weight okay. room. Like, the weight room right now is more important to Matthias Carroll than actually playing football, than yes. actually practicing football. Um, so, that, 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 so, so to me, like, you, you got to be careful with which young players to play. Now, the thing is, there are so many more younger players. Well, but year. the counter argument is in the age of NIL and the transfer portal, mm. um, you 
just just making a counter argument whether you agree with it or not. You do have to get that guy on the field so you can get some pictures of him actually yes. playing football <laughs> so he can put them on Instagram and look cool. And you I'm, can I'm Photoshop not, those. I'm not saying days. that with <laughs> I'm not saying that with derision. I'm just saying it. You gotta think about these things. You gotta throw the dog a bone in a way you didn't have to used to. Well, and yeah. let let's give another kind of perspective to this. Let's say Kelly Lawson, you want to play him on Saturday, so you don't give him that day in the weight room on Friday, and this game ends up being 21-17 to 17 late, and you mm. can't play him. You just basically lost that one big You've day. You wasted of, Big uh, Squat Friday. You wasted yeah. Big Squat Friday for him to stand on the sidelines. So. And, and what does it – again, it's an issue of focus. What does it say to your team if you roll in there to the weight room on Friday and you pick out 10 of your true freshmen and you're like, you guys are taking it easy today? You're telling your team, oh, we're not taking the opponent seriously. We think we're going to flatten them. Yeah. It, these, right, are, right. these are things coaches well, have to manage. Well, and, and Frank Beamer, one of the things when he turned his program around, uh, when he went to Bobby Ross to ask for advice on how do I turn the program around after Tech went 2-8-1. and eight and, one. and one of the things, if you can read this in all in Beamer's book, but one of the things he talked about was they only, if, starting in 1993, they only dressed the guys who were actually going to play in the game. Yeah. Uh, before that, they were just dressing a whole bunch of guys just to be nice, and apparently, you know, they'd go up and talk to their mom in the stands, and you know, they were even a distraction for you could even be a distraction for a teammate. So, so that's the thing. You could lift a guy heavy on Friday and dress him just to be nice to him, uh, with no plans to play him, and you could still redshirt him that way, and he still gets big squat Friday and all that. But at the same time, you don't want too many guys on that sideline. Like, there's no reason for you to be dressing if unless you're like have a decent chance at least to get on the field. But remember the big difference is back then you couldn't play a minute as yes. a red shirt. Now you can play four games. You can. So it's complicated. Uh, yeah, but yeah, but gonna, it's not. It, it uh, makes it a little different because back then if you tell a guy you're red shirting him, he's not dressing at all. But in this scenario, it's like, well, maybe you'll play, maybe you won't. Well, it, Beatles, for example, was in uniform a lot on the side. And, I, I, and I didn't like that. But at the same time, you didn't know whether to – give him a good heavy lift session on Friday or not because you didn't know if he was, if his the players ahead of him were going to be cleared you're for right. the game it, the it next was COVID. Day. It was different. You're right. right. Yeah. All right, well, one more thing I want to get into before we get into the YouTube questions. We did it last week and got some pretty good answers, ended up being right. So I want to ask you guys again, what are the keys to the game? What do the Hokies need to do to get this win? Uh, I, I don't want to copy David, but <laughs> getting the win is just show up and, and – you just show up with some amount of focus and, and play your best game. But a larger key for the program, and to reemphasize this again, what I'm looking for is get out there and, and you if, – if you want to be – if you truly are a top 20 program, mm -hmm. then get up to a lead and get up to a big lead. Make a statement. Right. Well, let, let's say – so the spread on this game in Vegas is, I think, minus 19. What do the Hokies need to do to cover the spread and to – kind of take control of this game maybe would be a better question yeah i really really struggle to see middle tennessee state hitting a high number of points like i i've picked them to score 10 points in my preview um it, it just doesn't they, they don't seem like they have the running game or the ability to protect the quarterback uh to be able to get the ball down the field on, on a consistent basis uh so I, I think it would it would have to take one of those awful we've only got 14 points at the start of the fourth quarter games by the offense 
to make Middle Tennessee feel like they have a chance that they're in the game in, in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just it would be very difficult. So to me, the key is, uh, well, like you said, I, I I'm not so much worried about the result of the game as I am about. I want to see the right mentality. Yeah. If the if the mentality is there, then the score is going to take care of itself. So, so to circle back around to the question of if, if they say they don't cover the spread, say they win by 10, are you worried about the rest of the season? Um, it depends. It, it, I, I wouldn't say worried, but what it would tell me is, at least for this week, these things can change on a week-to-week basis. Mm-hmm. At least for this week, you're not showing me that you're elevating yourself as a program. Right. Um, this program in the last two or three years has, has had big wins and it's had mediocre wins. Um, and by big wins, I mean, uh, uh, you know, beating Miami and, and, and winning a, a, over a ranked opponent. They've already done that in week one. So, you know, they've still got the, the talent and the coaching to do that. Are you now going to be more consistent as a program? And, you know, one of the things I guess I'm going to bring up a fair number of times is, um, if, if last year was Fuente's 1992, you need some signs that this is going to be his 1993. Mm. Um, you'd like to see it. Now, those kind of turnarounds are rare where, where Tech went 2-8-1 and one, and then turned around and went 9-3. and three. I'm not saying I'm expecting that from Fuente, but one of the things that Tech did back then was they beat Pittsburgh 63-21 to 21 in like the second or third <laughs> week of the season, and that was an attention getter. Right. The win over UNC was great, to go out there and truly smoke Middle Tennessee and then maybe go on the road and beat West Virginia, that's when you start going, okay, this is this is starting to smell different. David, we'll get you in, the, in on this as well. You had the right key to the game last week. <laughs> um, I think, it, you know, I don't think it, like that you're playing a top 10 team. You know, I think it has it's more specific when you're playing a top 10 team versus this. It's I think it goes along with what Chris said, which is just come out with the right mindset. Like, come out and say, we want, you know, we're going to, you know, Virginia Tech comes out and plays the first quarter it played against North Carolina. And, it, you know, it'll be, you know, 21 nothing at the end of the first quarter. Absolutely. And then the, the game's almost put away. You know, just come out and play, play the first quarter like you would play against anybody else, you know, and, and go from there. I don't think it's anything crazy complicated, you know, in terms of, um, key to the game because Virginia Tech is the better team. They're the more talented team. They're the bigger team, you know, and the, this Middle Tennessee team, yeah, I mean, they'll put up some points. Like, I I have Virginia Tech winning 31-13, so I don't have Tech covering, but I, I do think Tech will, you know, win decently handily. But, um, you know, I, I think it all goes back to, you know, are you going to have that, that mentality or is it going to – you know, come is it going to be like a Rhode Island game or a Furman game where they come out there and go, yeah, all right, well we're focused on whatever the you know Miami game or whatever the next game is. You know, we don't we don't really care. You know, because if they come out and say, oh, we get to play at West Virginia next week, that's going to be fun. Right. Like, right. you know, it's just going to be disappointing, and it's going to be a close game, and fans are going to go home scratching their heads, going, what the heck? I'm we're, not as worried about it honestly because yeah. now that I think about it, none of these Virginia Tech players. Have a great understanding of the of the West Virginia rivalry because it's that is been, true, been yeah. so long since it, you know they played each other on a regular basis. Uh, now, so that worries me for the West Virginia game itself <laughs> that they won't be ready for the atmosphere. But it, to me, it also means like as opposed to if we were playing Miami next week or UVA next week or somebody like that, then maybe there would be a tendency to to look ahead. Um, 
So we'll see. I I, I don't know. You you always try to say, well, what am I going to think if this happens? Uh, you know, every like every year Iowa State almost loses to an FCS team to start the season. They did it again the, this week. Nate, they almost yes. lost to Northern Iowa. They beat them like sixteen to ten. That's a regular occurrence for Matt Campbell. Like that first game of the season against Northern Iowa or whoever, they barely beat them, <laughs> and they have to they they have to they leave it for late. Um, so I don't know. We don't know if it'll mean anything or not. I mean, Iowa State's a good program. Yes. They've done a good job, but they still barely beat FCS yes. teams. Um, so I don't know if it'll mean anything or not. Hey, so I should probably hold this for next week, but it just occurred to me. I was sitting here thinking, who in this program has even been to Morgantown? What's the answer to that question? In this program. Players or a- anybody? At first I thought of John Belen. And then I thought of Justin Hamilton. Justin Hamilton. Justin, Justin Hamilton, Hamilton and was JC, on the JC field. Price, maybe that that yes. that two. Well, it, so the JC thing is is a little different. Yeah. Justin Hamilton was on the field in 2003 when Tech got curb stomped. And 2005 when when they went up there and beat and him back. But but just so, so, finger so it's very and then we're like <laughs> we're, up, we're never playing hand. you again. So Fuente's <laughs> got to go to Hamilton and say, is there anything you can do to get through to these guys that have no clue what's what they're mm-hmm. going to be facing? Right. Yeah. Now it's a noon game, so it's more like the 2005 situation. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things where you want to balance it. You want them to know what situation they're facing, but you don't want them to be thinking about it so much that they're not focusing on football. Just like me. like North Carolina just blared Inner Sandman at practice all week. Apparently, it's, it's our Virginia Tech plays Inner Sandman two minutes every game <laughs> at the beginning, right? Yeah, uh, so maybe you blare crowd noise or something like that if you're UNC but for me it just seemed like UNC there's a lot of talk about Enter Sandman which something in the in the grand scheme of things is insignificant to the football game itself yeah, that is so correct. so you don't want to you don't want them to yeah you got to make them understand keep your helmet on on the sideline because you don't want to get hit in the head with a battery or a, or a or a water bottle that's filled with we got to hold this for next week well yeah that's <laughs> well, one thing i want to touch on justin fuente did mention on tech talk live he's kind of having to prime his players for the opposite effect this week that this isn't going to be the north carolina atmosphere you're it especially for a lot of these guys who it's their first or second year have not been in front of a packed lane stadium outside of the North Carolina game. I, I did see on social media uh, more than two, more than two or three players say, hey, let's keep this up. Let's do this again next week. And I'm thinking that that's not going to happen. <laughs> right. It's right. a 2 p.m. game. There, There's going to be a lot fewer fans there. And and I don't mean this as a criticism, but the students will be gone by halftime. Yes. You know, that's, that's the way this is going to play out. Well, and it's not to say that it's not going to be a decent atmosphere. I'm not. I don't think it's going to be an empty stadium. I don't think it's going to be quiet, but it's not going to be it's rowdy. Be North Carolina atmosphere, you and, know? That's, and that's, that's expected. That, yeah, I mean, and how can you expect it to be? Yeah. yeah. So that may be something to look at too. If they, if the atmosphere can't raise the energy level, they got to bring it themselves. So, yeah. I think it's time to jump into the YouTube questions. I, we've already kind of touched on a few of them here, but David, any good ones yeah, we, being dropped in? It's funny because we've we've touched on a lot. Um, I brought up the Malachi Thomas, Jaden Keller question. Um, some somebody. Uh, Will literally uh, brought up uh, which of the younger players are you most excited to see? So, um, uh, somebody, Joseph Warren asked, How much do you want to see some quarterback depth play here or against Richmond? And that was actually one of the things I wanted to bring up. Um, and I put it in, in um, my part of the preview for the game. I would love to, see, to get Knox Kadem some time. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, Braxton Burmeister, you know, he needs it, but but it would also be good to 
I think, feel a little bit more comfortable about the quarterback situation, the backup quarterback situation moving forward and not just, all right, we had this one guy that played <laughs> like for X amount of time against Clemson last year when we only had like three quarterbacks <laughs> available, but they both got hurt. Yeah. You know, the thing about when you play a backup quarterback in garbage time, after it's over, you either feel a lot better about your backup quarterback worse. situation, or you feel a lot worse. But but yeah, we need we need to continue to find out more about Knox yeah. Kato. I agree. Well, I guess it could be similar to that William and Mary game a couple years ago. That was the first time we saw Hendon Hooker. Yeah. I want to believe, and he right. ran for he ran a seventy-yard like touchdown. touchdown. Yeah. Yep. Let's jump into. Let's do two more YouTube questions before we jump out of here. Um, we we mentioned the um, Eric Fisher earlier asked how concerned will you be for the season if this game is close? I know Will right. you, you yeah. touched on on that a little bit. Um, I'm scrolling through here. A lot of the questions I think um, we answered. Uh, somebody asked, Ryan B asked, "Has there been any word on Payute's health, and do you think we'll see him more in the, the next game?" And I, yeah, I, I think yeah. we should. Even we'll see him more. He only I, played six snaps. That could be another reason uh, he only got six against UNC is because he was limited for part of the preseason with that hamstring injury. Yeah. All right, let's do one more if you can find one. Yeah, I don't know if if not. Uh, I'm I'm looking through because um, a lot of the questions were just about young players, yeah, and, stuff we've already talked and, and about, stuff yeah. we've already touched on. So I think I think well, we, that might be I it. think we covered everything. Um, I have a, a question for Will and Chris. Uh, was there any? And this is not necessarily f- football related, but there's is was there any um, one aspect from like the fan perspective from the North Carolina game that you hope stays for the Middle Tennessee game that you maybe not hadn't, hadn't seen before or, or something maybe that you wish doesn't happen again. You know, we, you've read some stories about certain things going on in the stands and you'd rather not have that. But at the same time, you under, I understand that everybody was excited and because they hadn't been to a football game in two years and they got all boozed up and that's what's going to happen when to, to a certain extent. Um, I, I'm a fan of general admission student seating uh, and I know some people aren't probably particularly if you're sitting close to the student <laughs> section but I, I do think it gives you know it creates competition it gets them they're in the stadium for inner sandman now because they all want to go in there and get the best seats and, and things like that yeah. so uh, so there's there's big discussion on the message board today about the operational issues and I think we covered that in the last podcast um, where they just essentially opened the gates and let fans in and I said on the message board today, I think that was the right decision in the moment because you want people in, you want them to have a good experience, you want them to be ready when the game starts. But that's a one-time play. You can only do that once because if it gets out that you're not checking tickets on a regular basis, you know. So there's yeah. that. The concession lines were just awful. And I remember I went down at one point in the game, went down into the tunnel, took a look, and said nope, and went right back up into the stands. So I know they've got a lot of stuff to work out there. And I think a lot of the discussion is that they were selling beer in the regular concession stands. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I, that stuff's complicated. It's got contracts and all kinds of stuff going on. But And you can imagine there's so many new people working. Yeah. And they were probably understaffed to begin with. Yeah. That's the thing. You could separate it out and make beer stands. But are you going to have enough people to actually work two different stands now? Yeah. And, so, and, and that also got in the discussion of um, – were was security were there enough security people and police officers there 
Um, I, I can see where they would also be understaffed, but somebody said that he knows people who typically do security for tech games, and they were available and they were not there. Right. So, you, so, so Brad Worthman is really good at two things. He's basically the external guy for the athletic department. He's really good at two things, and num- number one, he's good at handling the external stuff, the fan-facing stuff. And number two, Brad is really good at taking in the data and evaluating the data and not responding emotionally to things. But I'm sure they had a really busy week this week trying to figure out, you know, how do we manage all of these things better? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think this is the first game I can remember where it's the only time I didn't leave my seat the entire game with the exception of halftime. Uh, and, and I was just having such a good time and I didn't want to miss any of the game. Yeah. And uh, so, but at halftime, when I when I went to the down you know back into the concourse, uh, you know your halftime lines are so long, anyway on a, on a regular basis that I just didn't notice them. So I was actually surprised that the, the next day when I'm reading about all the horror stories, oh, yeah. I never saw any of it because I never left my seat. Yeah. In in my experience, they weren't really concessions lines. It was just a big group Blob, of people trying to people. fight their way to the front. That, <laughs> yeah. that was basically what and it was. And that's actually nothing new. A lot of people are acting like it's something new. It's not. Right. I do think the beer thing complicates things. Yes. Yeah, I also think they'll, they'll get it worked yeah, out. Yeah, well, one of the reasons I brought that up is, um, you know, I, I some of my parents' friends that, that went to the game and their season ticket holders have been talking about it, and... You know, and then I'd been talking with my sister about it, and then some of my other friends who, who went and are students, and uh, and I also heard a rumor that they might be cutting down on student lottery tickets just to, to kind of cut back a little bit on how many students were there, just because it seemed like so many. But I don't know if you guys saw Hokie Sports put out something on. Um, they they had a release ran a short article yeah, yeah they had a release that came out yesterday yeah. um, that basically just said you know there will be changes. We're aware. Now, no, now I will say one thing: Lane Stadium was built in the '60s. And if you originally recall, there was no north end zone, no south end zone, and the east stands were actually the same size as the west stands. Right. So they they then they expanded the east stands in the early '80s, and then they threw on the south end zone in 2002. But Lane Stadium, the concourses were originally designed to accommodate probably 40 or 45 thousand people. Yeah. And guess what? The the stands have gotten bigger since then, but the concourses haven't. And there's really not a lot you can do on the east stands when you've got the stadium woods right right behind it. You can't expand it yeah. any, any more back there um, without – we won't get into that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, 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 I don't know what could do about the west stands, but I, I don't think there's a whole lot that can be done to, about it. It's just going to be a big crowd because it's, it's, it's going to be 20,000 more people there than the concourses were originally built to hold. One thing I did love that they did uh, back on Friday was Enter Sandman. The video is kind of just starting to circulate on social media is when they cut off the music and the entire stadium is singing the chorus of Enter Sandman. I would actually prefer they cut it a little bit earlier. I think that might even be more intimidating than the jumping. Well, yeah, they they did that. I think they did that by accident like three years ago. Yeah, I think they did it during a basketball game. And it went really well. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, this this is like (laughs) chills, you know. And that's another thing. I criticized ESPN's coverage of Enter Sandman. They totally blew that. They cut it off right before everybody started singing. Yeah, they they need to catch that last exit light enter night, you know, off to Never Neverland bit. And I think David's right that in basketball it actually sounds even cooler. It sounds because better it, it because, because right of like tip-off. The, yeah, one because yeah. because of the echoes and because it's at the beginning of the first possession, 
you know, the players are like getting excited as yeah. tip-offs about the to come. The song is basically still playing when the yeah, game starts. Yeah, and it's like the it's like you're like 15 seconds into the first possession, and the students have finally stopped singing, and now it's just a bunch of them screaming, and you're <laughs> yeah, inside. Yeah. So very cool. So that's something I want to see. I'm hoping maybe they'll start to cut it off a little bit earlier, get, give the the crowd a little bit more of its spotlight. I think that's going to do it for episode 189 of the Tech Sideline podcast. Before we go, Chris and David, what's coming up on TechSideline.com before the game? Oh, man. I have organized my week like I hope Virginia Tech football organized <laughs> Saturday. I got everything done early, and that and I can be out of the game by the fourth quarter, right? <laughs> so uh, we've got inside the numbers coming up tomorrow, but I'm so far advanced on that that I, I'm – that I'm going to be able to write my Q and a tomorrow. So like, I don't, I'm not even going to have to work Friday. Everything's going to be done by tomorrow afternoon. So uh, hopefully we can say the same thing for a lot of, uh, a lot of starters for Virginia tech football. This is why we hired David. <laughs> this, yeah. this thing of working every single day of the week, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a bit of a, a bit of a rush to get the, uh, to get the preview out this yes. morning. Right. I, I, I wrote my, prediction part last night and actually got up early this morning and did the roster card so that that was a lot of work for me but i'm kind of done for the week and i can focus on uh you know continuing to build out the set um we're having discussions with more student media and uh, uh, sports media and analytics students about getting involved in the podcast and in some audio video stuff so okay. i'm excited about being able to continue to grow that part of what we do yeah, and I'll have uh, – I was actually going to write it today, and then Chris suggested we've got a podcast, do it tomorrow. So I've got uh, – I'm going to write like a defensive backstory, talking about Nasir Peoples a little bit and use some quotes from, um, uh, you know, the past couple of days and some stuff from TTL, I think. Um, and then we've got um, an Olympic sports, you know, stuff, just just yeah. what's going on Olympic sports coming up. Um, yeah, and that's that's the week, and then I'll be in the press box Saturday. Well, if you want to get all this great content, join the TechSideline.com family, which again is free for students at this moment, I want to say. Yeah, students are free. And uh, if you sign up uh, for the first time as a monthly subscriber, your first month is free. And um, I will just say that I uh, really appreciate the support of, of the subscribers and people who are coming in. It's it's It was a good August, and the, the win Friday night has made it a good week, <laughs> you know. So this is, a, this is a really good time. I think we just continue to get better and better and smoother and smoother at what we do well winning always helps as well Hokies are yeah. trying to get to 2-0 and with a win over Middle Tennessee on Saturday that's going to do it for episode 189 of the Tech Sideline podcast want to thank everybody on set today Will Stewart the founder and general manager across the way find him at Will Stewart TSL on Twitter Chris Coleman the lead analyst and columnist at TechSideline.com he is at Chris Coleman TSL to my right is David Cunningham the managing editor for TechSideline.com you can find him at the Real D Cunna. behind the scenes the best producer in the land Malcolm Stewart and I I'm Jake Lyman signing off here on episode 189 of the Tech Sideline podcast. We hope you enjoy the game on Saturday and we'll see you next week.